The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It's Wednesday, September 23rd. Download, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. We got a bunch of great uh, reviews that people dropped on there. Um, in fact, one of them referenced this very show. Because you know it's a Wednesday. You know what it means. It's pow, 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 Brady Quinn football show. What's up, Brady? What's going on, Will? When do you think we can actually get real sounds interject there, like the actual bam, 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 sound? So did you think that's what I was going to have? I did. I thought I, that I, was what you were going to be playing. At 1 o'clock in the morning on Monday night, I was up Googling reggae air horn. And I was like, you know what? I just need to go to bed. This is because we've done our Monday night show recapping the Raiders and the Saints. Um, and so I just got to go to bed. Uh, but I will point out that um, so Nick Fitness Wrote in the uh, iTunes reviews, he uh, he says, as a teenager that bought EAS because of him, can you get can you get Brady Quinn to say, no, I'm done. No, uh, I get paid for that. All right, okay. uh, handsomely, might I add. So okay. uh, no, I cannot say that unless uh, I'm either paid for it or it's just the spur of the you moment. Still get paid it, for it? No, uh, well, it depends on occasion. It depends on occasion. Well, in theory, what if what if we get somebody else to say it? Tyron Mathai. Oh, that's John Breach saying Tyron Mathai. Hold on. Yeah. Do you know what that clip is from? Uh, I don't. I don't. Because I, I, I can't really pay much attention to what Breach says. He's, he went to a British. Oh, no, 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 no. Line, See if you can hear this one. That, for, ignore the Tyron Matthew. He, can't, he, he pronounces Tyron Matthew, Tyron Matthew, which is just terrible. This, is, this one maybe isn't loud enough. Let's see if I can get it louder. Got it, guys. Now I'm done. Now I'm done. Well, I mean, it heard me at the end, but who's saying that before then? That was, uh, our, our now colleague, Jim Rome, previously at ESPN, back when he did his, um, his Rome is Burning show. And like, I remember being in college. I, yeah, I guess I was out of college. I was still in college, but supposed to be out of college and watching Rome show. And I sort of remember, I think I remember this one, but like, this is when, and you and I talked about this the other week. This is when the, the, uh, the controversy that you were trying to submarine Derek Anderson was being floated like like you gave the signals to the defenses out there and Rome actually it's it's a good segment he's like this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard he's like you think Brady Quinn is hand signal giving like 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 it's like all right guys like if he slaps his left arm twice it's like two like a fly pattern deep right like this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard so 
Uh, but he, he referenced yeah, the EAS commercial there. That's, that's kind of like what you're getting right now in week two of the NFL season. You're getting a lot of people who just say a lot of things that there's really not a lot of reality to. Uh, but it's just like speculation and conspiracy theories. Uh, and as, and as I actually had, it was funny, um, as I was preparing for my game last weekend, uh, Arizona and Washington, Jack Del Rio at one point when I asked him the question, he goes, you know, that's something you guys on the outside now talk about. He's like, it, it's, it's not really something that's reality for us. And I was like, yeah, I was like, but I still have to ask you the question because it's still something we have to talk about. So he got a good chuckle out of it. He, uh, he understood where I was coming from, but. Uh, anyway, the, the point is, is when you are actually playing the game of football, when you're, you know, between those lines in the locker room or in the meeting rooms, uh, you really don't pay a whole lot of attention to what's being said on the outside. Okay. So what, um, I don't know if you can tell us what question you asked Jack Del Rio and or what conspiracy theories do you think are being floated out there? Um, I mean, there's a number of things right now, right? Like, for example, um, and not, this isn't going to be on the Jack Del Rio stuff because that came from a production meeting and I try not to necessarily air a lot of things that are said in those meetings, but, totally understand. um, you know, in regards to Drew Brees, you know, there's like conspiracy theories now about his arm strength, his shoulder, is he healthy or not? Um, you know, he has, he has one game where statistically speaking, it didn't look bad in the end. I mean, what, 26 for 38 over 300 yards passing and a touchdown? I mean, it doesn't look that bad. Uh, yet you've got all these people now claiming that it's over. He's finished. Jameis Winston is in. Uh, he's barely eking by. They all know it, but no one wants to admit it. Like those sorts of conspiracies, you get that after this past, uh, Monday night's football game. See, I like the conspiracy theory that everyone on the Saints went out and got wasted in Vegas and was still hungover on Monday night. Which is a way better scenario that I think we should be playing out. So, did you, um, did you, did you think, cause Drew Brees now through two games, average depth of target, I believe, and they showed this on SportsCenter. I referenced yeah. it on the Monday night's podcast, like 4.35 yards, which is the second lowest through two games in the last 15 years. And the only guy who was lower, Brett Favre, uh, with the Vikings, is it, I, I, you, you've been a veteran quarterback in the league. Is it something where the, a little bit, the older you get, maybe it takes you a little bit longer? Like you needed those preseason games to stretch out? What do, what do you think here? No, I just think it's probably somewhat by design. I mean, it's, it's true breeze in the New Orleans Saints. I mean, do you think people are going into games being like, Hey, let's challenge this guy? It's not like he's the most prolific passer in NFL history. Like, what, what, you know, let's see if he can throw that ball deep. Let's give him some press man-to-man coverage all the time, see if he can't throw it over the top. No, of course they're concerned about the big plays of this offense and how explosive it can be. Um, and I think when you're looking at, you know, really just their rhythm early this season, I think Sean Payton, Drew Brees admitted it this week. You know, they're not in a rhythm yet, and I think that's fair. It's probably true. They haven't had quite as many reps. Clearly he's not on the same page yet with Emmanuel Sanders, who I really thought was going to step up and take a bigger role this past week, but that wasn't the case. You know, they talked about him not being in the right place at the right time. So, you know, I think going into that matchup, my, my question was like, how much are they going to miss Michael Thomas? Well, a lot when you think about the fact that when he's not out there, you don't necessarily have anyone that I think Drew Brees trusts and can ultimately rely on. And I think if we just use another veteran quarterback, um, who in this case changed teams and Tom Brady, look at week one. I mean, look at him when he throws that ball across the middle for Mike Evans because he's trusting he's going to do the right thing and be in the right spot. Ends up being a pick. Looks bad. What happens the following week? Then they start connecting on some longer passes downfield. Now no one's having that conversation, you know, this week, right? So that it just it's a, it's a little bit of that learning curve, and I think everyone kind of grows and builds that chemistry at different times. Yeah, and it's worth noting, like if you look at Michael Thomas, I mean, 
you know, this year he only caught 60% of his passes, but he got hurt. The previous two years, 82.5 catch percentage combined. I mean, that is insane. And like, I don't know. I don't think the Drew Brees, I don't think the Saints offense is as vertical as it used to be. I just don't think no. they, they pick and choose their shots when they're going yeah, to go deep. It, it, it's kind of been this way for a while, right? Three or four it, years. And now. by the way, like, I called the Arizona game. If you go back and look at the scatter shot of passes that Kyler Murray threw, with the exception of one play where he hit Christian Kirk on the sideline for like a 50-yard bomb, and then one play to Andy Isabella, both plus 50-yard, you know, throws, completions. Outside of that, everything was pretty much within that, that 10 yards into the line of scrimmage, you know, and that's by design. They want to try to wear out, you know, opposing defenses by throwing those quick wide receiver screens to the sideline, getting those defensive linemen to run lateral, you know, making them have to potentially rush and then redirect. I mean, that, that gets tiring over a half. And I think you saw that. The Washington defense was worn down in the second half, just like San Francisco was. So some of that's by design. And I think, honestly, these quarterbacks are so good at completing the short intermediate passing game. Like, you'd rather do that because you don't feel like there's as much risk as there used to be with that ball getting picked off. And, and, and your most dynamic playmakers now are on the outside. So, you know, I don't really read into it too much. I just think it was what they felt like could be effective uh, this past Monday night, more of a game plan type thing, more so than Drew Brees' ability. Yeah, so Kyler's chart's interesting. There's fairly minimal passing attempts between 10 and 20 yards. It's basically everything. It looks it's like short that. and then a few deep, and then that's yeah. it, right? Yeah, and he hit two re- – I mean, he throws such a great deep ball. I mean, it's, well, he actually throws everything great. Like sure. literally the only drop, I think, within the, those 10 yards, or maybe it was like 15 yards, it was a drop by, by Hopkins. I mean, anything outside of that, like he's throwing the football away because he's hurried, you know, he doesn't really ever throw a ball that's not catchable. Like there's hardly a time where I looked at it and go, oh, it's just a bad throw. He just doesn't do that. I mean, he is in such a good rhythm and has such good accuracy, and then he can throw from kind of any platform with the way his feet are. So, that, that guy's a special talent. I've, I've got, I get to call their game again this week, and, and I'm excited to see if, if Matt Patricia and the Lions defense can do anything to stop him. The run, the second touchdown run was, I can't, I mean, I, I can't imagine watching it from that announcing booth. I mean, seeing it like on television, it looked like something out of a video game. I mean, it is, he is running left and then he's like, no, I'm good. And the, the guy is just like, you know, just. Ankles broken, sauntering in the end zone. I, mean, just, I, I feel bad for Troy Apke. Like on both the touchdown runs, he was that free defender. And <laughs> I don't think people realize like how hard it is when you know you've got a fast quarterback, right? But you can't mimic it in practice because no one's going to be his speed. He's legit probably four three. But when you have a guy like that running downfield, you're a defender, or in his case, a safety, your last line of defense, you know, you've got to like try to pick an angle and you're sprinting as hard as you can. And Apke's fast, right? But the problem is, is the dude can stop on a dime and change direction. And so he's just going to make you look ridiculous. And unfortunately, Troy Apke was in that position twice during this game. Uh, I feel bad for him because I don't think any defender wants to be in that position against Kyler Murray. I mean, like you, you're, you got a one in 10 chance almost any, like regardless of who you get a one in 10 chance to touch him. I mean, we're going to tackle him. I know. I know. So all these hypotheticals, it's like, could you tackle Derrick Henry? It's like, no, I could like, and you know what? I wouldn't even talk. Like, I wouldn't even touch Kyler Murray. You put that, in a, in a five that would be one of my favorite things to see is you just line up like 20 yards across from Derrick Henry. If you like lost a bet and then you got to, you had to go up against, you could be padded up, right? Shoulder pads, helmet, no rib protectors though. Okay. Oh, and I'll give you a mouth guard. Thanks. That's it. And, and you get Derrick Henry a 20 yard head start and he just gets to bowl you over. Uh, that would be a great bet. That'd be a fun way to kind of watch someone pay off a bet. 
you could, uh, and assuming it was me, I'm, I'm thinking you could raise some money for charity by having. There you go. Money. Yeah. There you uh, go. Right, that or, uh, or coffee, one of the two. Yeah, that's right. Just get a bunch of free toffee. Okay. So we are going to talk 0 and 2 teams and 2 and 0 teams. Uh, we're not going to, we're not going to deal with the mushy middle of the NFL this week. Uh, we're going to look at teams that are not going to, well, right, well t- 0 and 2 teams who we think could make the playoffs. In fact, I probably am supposed to write an article about this, but maybe there's, may, you know what? That's probably why we're doing Do you still write? I write twice a week. Okay. So they've cut that down for you, huh? Yeah. I write okay. like 5,000 words a week. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll start off by saying this for the O2 teams. Well, I, let's, let's, let's eliminate a couple. Oh, okay. I mean, Dolphins. That, that's the top of the list. The Dolphins. All right. Who's less likely to make the playoffs? Dolphins or Jets? Oh, Jets. Yeah. They're the worst team in football, right? Well, you know, I take that back. I take that back for this reason. Look how they started last year. Weren't they 0-4 to start the season? I mean, they started off. Yeah, and they finished 7-2. That's what I'm saying. Like, they ended up being a 7-9 football team. People tend to forget that. So it's kind of weird. I mean, you can throw in the towel on them. and I know they haven't even looked competitive. I mean, I get it. But this team started last year off awful, and they finished strong. So I I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't put the Jets there. Maybe I'm thinking it's going to be more like Dolphins, Panthers. Okay, all right, well, there's four teams who are below 5% to make the playoffs, according okay. to Sportsline's uh, data. It's Jets at 3.8%, which is surprising. It actually matches up what you're saying. Bengals, 2%, Panthers, one5 and Dolphins, 07 I'm a little surprised that the Dolphins are that much further below than everybody else, but I do think that – And by, by the way, people, I know people give me crap about my Lions pick. There's a lot of people out there who pick the Dolphins to win the AFC East. Really? Like, way worse. Didn't you pick, did you pick Indy to win their division too? Yes. Okay. That's not bad. Well, that was because of Rivers though. You always just kind of ride Rivers coattails. I picked him to win the Super Bowl too. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, it's still got a chance. A one on one, right? Um, yeah. yeah so, so I think the interesting thing about that, or at least the Dolphins is I think there was a view, especially before the season started that the AFC East was somewhat open, right? Like can the Bills take over New England and all that? How's Cam going to look? Well, we're a couple of weeks in now, and Cam looks pretty good, and Buffalo looks really good. I mean, Josh Allen might be the leader in the clubhouse next to Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers for MVP. So, too. Yeah, those four guys. Kyler's up there. I mean, I think you can make a better statistical argument for what those other three have probably done, but sure. Kyler's on his way. He's definitely building in that direction. So, you know, for that reason, I think you've probably got the Dolphins eliminated pretty quick. You might as well just go ahead and eliminate the Jets, too, even though I painted the scenario for them last year. The Panthers, I think, because of the injury of Christian McCaffrey. Like, I just, I don't know how they're going to be competitive without the best player on that roster. So, and their, I think defense, that, their defense might be the worst in football. Right, right. Uh, and then the Bengals are an interesting one because, all right, like, I mean, Pittsburgh look kind of good, but you know, we'll see what they look like this week. Um, you know, Baltimore's been dominant, but like. I mean, we saw Cincinnati on a short week go into Cleveland and keep it close. I mean, who knows what Joe Burrow and this team looks like by the end of the season. So uh, maybe they're in a much, much better spot. There's an extra spot in each conference, so maybe there's still a chance. But uh, I think this team's probably a year away, at least in regards to competing for a playoff spot. Uh, but you've got to be impressed with Joe Burrow and how he looks so far. Yeah, like if I'm, the, if I'm a Bengals fan, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I told myself before the season I'm not going to worry about wins and losses. And I, you just can't. Like Joe Burrow oh. looks good. You want him to stay healthy. Yeah. Look, look good on the field. You want, you want to see your offensive line improve and you want to see him develop a rapport with some of the younger guys. Maybe not AJ Green. Cause you know, I mean, but like maybe he's back. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Probably not. 
Um, I'm just saying, like, you want to develop a rapport with the weapons on the roster until you have a good feeling about going into 2021. Right. Um, I, I have a hard time believing they'll, they will make the playoffs. The, uh, the next group of three teams above that who fall in between 5% and 10% to make the playoffs include, oh boy, these are some tough luck teams. The Denver Broncos at 6.7%. Drew Locke is out for a while. Cortland Sutton's out for the season. Von Miller's out for the season. Uh, some other people are out for a while. The Detroit Lions at 6.4% and the New York football giants at 5.6% who just lost Saquon Barkley. And all, they're like, they're basically like the Northern Panthers. Right. No, I mean, I, I would, yeah, that, that's probably somewhat fair. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe the Giants offensive line is a little better. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it's probably a fair comparison. Now that I think about it, it's actually a great comparison. So, Terrible defense, rely on a high ranked quarterback. They've got a yeah. prominently involved. I mean, <laughs> so, now it makes a lot of sense. Just give it another year or two. They'll look just like the Panthers. I, I think the only difference is McCaffrey is expected to come back at some point. So, you know, whether or not you had playoff aspirations or not, at least he has a chance to come back if they were able to write the ship somehow. But no, I, I think you're kind of throwing in the towel on the Giants at this point. Um, defensively, I don't think they're going to be able to get it done. And now even more pressure on Daniel Jones, which is going to be tough. So, I mean, so many things too for Joe Judge and Jason Garrett and Patrick Graham, everyone else trying to install everything in an offseason where you really didn't have much time. I mean, it's just, they're behind the eight ball. The Lions are an interesting one for this reason. Um, they've literally led both the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers, right? And we saw their epic fourth quarter collapse versus Chicago. They still had a chance to win if Swift just catches that football. And then in Green Bay, they're up 14 to three and they make a number of mistakes that basically allowed Green Bay to gain momentum to come back into it. Um, next thing you know, it's a 10 point lean at a halftime after, you know, Aaron Jones breaks off that big run right down the middle of the defense, poor tackling by Harris. So they're, they're not quite as bad as I think everyone's making them out to be. And let's not forget too, they were missing Joe Dahl on the offensive line. They were missing Halapula Vadi Vitae, their tackle that they brought in this offseason. Kenny uh, Galladay. Kenny Galladay wasn't there. Uh, they, they, yeah, there was a number of guys who basically missed this game and they let at one point, I mean, basically for almost uh, half of football. Um, so I think they're, they're, they're better than people are giving them credit. And so, and look, Minnesota's not as good as we thought. I, I think Chicago and we'll get to maybe some two and O teams. Like there's some teams that probably, you know, are going to struggle after the next, in the next few weeks, Chicago probably fits that category. So that's not a Green Bay looking dominant. Like maybe there's a chance that Detroit can pull together and figure things out as the season goes along. I mean, typically a lot of defensive coordinators in New England and coaches that have left there, they tend to be a little bit slower to find their rhythm and and figure things out and perform better in the second half of the year. Uh, So Matthew Stafford, if you had to guess through two weeks, how many completions over 20 yards he has uh, so far? What would you guess? As far as air yards, like actually just in general. And completion's 20 yards or more down the field. Yeah, I'm saying the ball's traveling in the air or he's just got, you know, whatever. Oh, no, no, traveling in the air. Yeah, traveling in the air. Um, that's a tough one. Probably, gosh, I'm trying to think because I, I haven't been able to break them down yet because, you know, the NFL, they don't like putting out coaches to, to wait the week. Um, it's like just go and outsource to someone else. Uh, college <laughs> football doesn't. Why can't the NFL? Um, let's see. I'm trying to figure out what to get. I don't know. Four? Two. Too. Like this is the whole staple of the offense, Brady. And I only know because I just looked it up on well, Nation. Galladay did miss a game though, right? I mean, oh, it's yeah. like no, he yeah. hadn't played yet. Oh, did he not play the first week? No, that's the thing. It's like they had to they they slaughtered the Bears if they have Galladay there because right. they have somebody you can go back to. And, and then like not having him against Green Bay is a huge problem. So I, I mean, when you when all and Hawkinson's great, 
I like Marvin Jones a lot, but it changes the dynamics of that offense when you don't have Galladay. I mean, he's a, he's one of the 10 best wide receivers in football right now, probably. No, I mean, he had a phenomenal year last year and he's really evolved into that. And with Marvin Jones and with the way Hawkinson's, you know, continue to improve, like I think they've got more than most people realize and he's potentially going to play this week. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what that offense looks like, but we know this. They can put up points. The concern, I think, is more of the defense. I mean, we've literally seen them regress after Matt Patricia was there year one. They were actually 10th in total defense. Think about that. They were 10th this first year. No one talks about that because the next year they were 31st. They were awful. And then this year so far, I think they're ranked in two weeks, like 29th, something like that, 28th. Yeah. So, um, you know, clearly they've got to clear some things up. They haven't been able to get pressure on opposing, you know, opposing quarterbacks. That's going to be an issue, but that's a team that's kind of, you know, interesting to keep an eye on. Broncos are out, you know, between the time this with Drew Locke and the fact that Corden Sutton's out for the season along with Von Miller. It's just going to be too hard, too hard to overcome. I think the O2 deficit. And then I think we get into some interesting teams that really could dig out of an O2 hole. Yeah. So there's four teams that could potentially make it, make a run, I think. And you, you really can't, I mean, maybe you could pick the Lions, but I think it's the Lions and then these four teams. If you, if you're, if you're, if you were an idiot who picked the Lions before the season, the Eagles. Shocking 0-2, because they lost to the Washington football team in week one and then just got obliterated by the Rams in week two. The Vikings, uh, who many believe would be a playoff team this year, they have been absolutely putrid. The Falcons should not be 0-2, and, uh, and they are. And then the Texans, who opened up against the Chiefs and Ravens. Thanks, NFL scheduling gods. That was really nice of you. Uh, which one of those teams represents the best possible chance of making a playoff run to you? Uh, well, the best possible chance, I'd say, probably the Eagles, because if you look at the NFC East, it's not like anyone looks like they're running away with it. So uh, I would give them the best uh, chance, and I, I think for good reason, when you look at Dallas and just the fact that, you know, that football team uh, just seems to um, underwhelm is probably the best way to put it with what they have on their roster. The Vikings, look, if you, if you believe the Detroit Lions have a chance of getting in uh, at, what, 6%, you're probably going to believe that the Minnesota Vikings have a shot because if they can bring it together and if they get more out of Justin Jefferson and more out of the passing game uh, and they can figure some things out defensively, in particular in the secondary, and once Daniel Hunter comes back, you know, whenever that is, you know, maybe they, they actually have a shot too because that division, you know, to me, I'm just not a believer in Chicago yet until we get further into the season. I want to talk about the Texans for a second. Sure. Because the Texans, you talked about what they've already played. That's incredibly unfair, but it's life in the NFL, right? Well, they play Pittsburgh this week. Pittsburgh's a really good football team. So it doesn't get three of the, three of the six best teams in football to open the season. Well, they're definitely the top three teams of the AFC. So they're going through it right away, which we'll call whatever you want. They brought in some new players, right? Randall Cobb, Brandon Cooks, David Johnson. They only got some things they're trying to work out. And I think that plays against them as well as their schedule. But 2018, 2015, they started off 0 and 2. And then they ended up 11 and 5 in 2018 winning the division. And in 2015, 9 and 7 winning the division going to playoffs. So Bill O'Brien's been here before. They've been here before. They understand how to get through it. I mean, heck, there's a good chance they could be 0 and 3, but they understand how to battle back. So that's a team that I think because of their history with the head coach, what they have at quarterback, because I really do believe Deshaun Watson's a special player. I am not out on the, the Texans yet. I, I think they have a shot, maybe not as good as uh, Philadelphia, but I do think they're next in line as far as I next best, best team. I think that it's important because I'm not necessarily believing anything that I've seen so far on the AFC South yet. Okay. I mean, that's fair. Look, the Colts are one and one, a bad loss to the Jaguars. They, you know, they get the, they get a win against the, the Vikings, one of these other two. My thing with the Vikings, I, I think that their defense is just bad. And 
Their offensive line doesn't look good. They don't have a pass rush. Now, if Neil Hunter comes back, of course, it's different. But I, I don't know how they improve the secondary with the players that they have because I feel like Mike Zimmer typically takes these younger cornerbacks and stashes them on the depth chart and then rotates them in in like the second or third year. Yeah. And now they're getting, now they're getting all the playing time in the world, right? Right. He also doesn't have any interest in letting Kirk Cousins let Kirk cook. That's what I guess they would say. Uh, he wants to let Cook cook, and he wants to let Dalvin Cook. He wants to run. He doesn't have an offensive line. He wants to pound the ball, and he wants to yeah. play a bunch of defense. But he doesn't have a. He doesn't have a defense, and I don't know that he'll philosophically change what he wants to do. Yeah, I think it's interesting too when you look at like the the running scheme, a lot of the zone blocking. Like, I'm not saying you can't be physical in nature with a lot of your zone blocking scheme, but typically like your your gap schemes and your man blocking schemes, like that's where. You know, it's a little more mono mono or you're attacking a certain gap. So you're, that's where you're trying to kind of impose your physicality on your opponent. And so if you feel that way, you know, it, it's not exactly that, you know, zone running scheme, the outside zone running scheme, stretch zone, where you're really turning laterally and running and you're waiting for your running back to kind of pick his holes or see the backside cut. So uh, I just think for, from that perspective, it's kind of an interesting little tie in. Oh, hold on one second. I plugged. Uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting, well, like kind of philosophy, you know, difference between, you know, Mike Zimmer and, and Gary Kubiak. But yeah, it, it's, it, it's kind of odd to think where this team was a couple of years ago and how close they were to getting to a Super Bowl. And everyone thought that window was open. And now it's like they've only gotten worse since Kirk Cousins has been there. And it's not on him. It, it's actually, I think the fact their defense has gotten worse. Yeah. It's gotten a lot worse. Um, I, I agree with you on the Texans. I do think that. I wish they had DeAndre Hopkins instead of David Johnson, but they don't. And um Yeah, but you have to include Cooks in that deal too, right? Because that was part of the compensation they got in order to trade for Cooks. So it's like you can't just be like, oh, it's the Johnson for Hopkins. It's like they did get compensation back in return for that. That's fine. I I don't But that hasn't been good either. So Right. right. <laughs> it doesn't look good two weeks in. Uh it, it looks exactly sort of like what a lot of people thought it would be like. I think that, I do think I would not rule out oh, the oh, real quick. Are you betting that in the end, it's going to look as bad as it looks right now. No. If I had to guess, it would not look this bad. I mean, I don't think DeAndre Hopkins will continue to set the record for most receiving, t- most receptions by a player on his new team in NFL history, like over the course of a full season. Um, I don't know, man. The way Murray can run, like I could talk to you about that scheme all day and the, the why it creates headaches for opposing defenses, but there's a chance because you have to be so concerned with like all their pieces and how their offense operates that you're going to be singling him up a decent amount because you have to account for Kyler Murray in the run game. And so if you try to double him, there's Larry Fitzgerald, the Hall of Famer, and Christian Kirk. And then the other issue is the running game. Like Kenyon Drake, Chase Evans can tote the rock, and so can Murray. So how do you go about handling the box count so there's not a favorable box count all day for Arizona run? And how do you go about you know being able to cover a future Hall of Famer and Fitzgerald who still has it, and Christian Kirk with that speed? So – uh, there's a lot of issues this offense presents to defenses. And they just played maybe the two best defensive lines in football. Like yeah. the 49ers were healthy, and then the Washington football team is great, and now they're going to play Detroit, who is not as good. I think Kenny Drake has a big week this week. Uh, I, I'm telling you, it, it, the, the interesting thing about this matchup is you can't play man versus Kyler Murray. Because really most of his rushes come off passes where he drops back. It's not there. Same reason you can't, the, the Patriots played zone against Russell Wilson on Sunday night. They didn't want to exactly. get You have to. You got to have eyes on the quarterback. So, you know, if you do play man, you can kind of do variations of it, right? You can play cover three. So post high, you know, where you've got the extra defender in the box and you basically match up on the outside as, as far as man to man. 
that's one way of doing it. I think the other way is if you have a three-man rush and you've got a spy for him, uh, or if you keep that robber funnel player, that instead of like looking for uh, a different pass to intercept or interrupt, is you're looking more for Murray. The problem with that is, is once he gets out in space, though, I don't, I don't care what you've practiced. Like you're not going to be able to mimic how quick he is. Like I get anxiety for defenders when I see those legs moving so fast, and and I'm like, oh, he's just going to, he's just going to run right around yeah. him. He's just gonna yeah. Right around him. Yeah. Um. All right. So we agree that. So if you think you think the Texans are the most interesting team, I actually think the Falcons are a little spicy here. Oh yeah. They should have won. I mean, they, they really should have won this past week. They should be tied for first place in the division with the Saints and the Bucks right now. And yeah. they have it. They have the players. Their defense season come together. They need the the offense looked the best. Like I don't. I don't know. If you can deny their. You know, outside of uh, Julio Jones dropping that touchdown pass this past week from Russell Gage, that was the time. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about two and O teams who won't make the playoffs. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, so, you know, for every action, Brady... I'm sure you learned in your equal and opposite reaction. Yes. Equal and opposite reaction. That's correct. That's how it works. And you know, that's where the stick of football guys, you know, have an issue with that, right? Anytime you start talking about like investing advice right. or anything. So yeah, any sort of equation. Like that let's, talk, let's talk ball and beer, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's all we won't talk about, you know? <laughs> so, uh, two no teams. There are 11 of them now that the, uh, Raiders beat the Saints. We knew there would be one because both of those teams, Debo's counting it. He doesn't think I'm right. It's 11, Debo. Do you care to confirm? It's 11. It's 11. I yeah. believe you. I saw his little cursor flying down there. He's like, oh, Brenton screwed up again. Do, 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 do. Uh, anyway, there are two teams who I think that we can sufficiently say will make the playoffs. Yeah. Barring major injury. Yeah. The Ravens and the Chiefs. Agree? Agree. Um, okay. Then we will. Can I throw in one more? Uh, yeah. Pittsburgh. Can we just throw them in there? Yeah, that's fine. Do you not agree? I, I don't think that they're okay. So okay. sports lines numbers have the Ravens and Chiefs at ninety nine percent plus, right? And, and, the, and the, the Steelers, Steelers are, are like eighty six. Why? 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 Do you think they're in the same class as the Ravens and the Chiefs? Um, I don't know that their offense is clicking. Well, I mean, look, look at Kansas City last week. It's not like offensively they look great versus the Chargers, but that's traditionally been a tough matchup for them. I'm more concerned about their defense. Like I, I came away from that matchup thinking week one versus the Texans, man, they look good. They look like they've, they've really grown and progressed. Um, they're carrying the momentum from the Super Bowl. And then week two, I'm like, dude, come on. Like you're going against a rookie quarterback. You're letting him dink and dunk the ball around the field. You're letting them push you around up front. Like this is kind of pathetic. And it's, it's sad because it's like a, it's like one step forward, two steps back is kind of how I felt about, 
uh, at least that matchup. So I don't know. I'm kind of suspect on their defense. Um, but no, they're, they're making the playoffs, but I, I think Pittsburgh's going to be in there too. Okay. All right. That's fine. So I mean, do you, you, so you, obviously the offense, you don't think is there. You think Pittsburgh's defense pushes them close enough to the ball, to the Ravens and the Chiefs that they should be included here. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Let me ask you this about the, about Herbert real quick while you're talking Chiefs before we eliminate them. What did you think about Herbert? And what do you think about, uh, Anthony Lynn saying that Tyrod Taylor is his guy? Well, look again, he's the head coach. He needs, you know, has to do whatever he feels like gives him the best chance to win. Um, Tyrod Taylor got them a win week one, regardless of how it came about. Um, they didn't win this past week. I don't think that was a, that was because of Justin Herbert for any reason. I will say this. He kind of looked how I thought he was going to look. And it's what I saw from him, you know, last playing football at Oregon. Um, he's a big athletic guy. He can run the football effectively when they would give him the opportunity. Um, he tends to be able to make uh, a good amount of throws. I, I think, you know, around the line of scrimmage, a lot of those throws were within 10 yards and around the line of scrimmage. It was kind of dinking and dunking when you force him to throw the football further down the field and he has to use any element of touch. He struggles with that. And I think that's what you saw. Uh, if you start looking at his, his passing chart from 10 plus yards, he struggled to really hone in and throw accurate footballs. And even the one he kind of threw like a touch pass to echo up the sidelines. That was more sideline. That was more bad defense by Kansas City than it was like a good touch pass. I mean, it was behind Eckler. He had to come back, jump up for it. He's lucky it wasn't played better by the safety. I, I'm not, I think it might have been Thornhill. Uh, yeah. I have to go back and look, but it was it was poorly played. You know, he really should have gotten over there faster to make a play on the football. So, um, you know, I, I kind of thought he was going to look how he was going to look. I think if like Joe Burrow is the one that I think I'm like, wow, you know, he looks. It's been tough because of the pressure he's gotten, but he looks as advertised, like. He looked like he's further along as an NFL quarterback than Baker did on Thursday Night Football last sure. year. So, um, I think Burrow has been more impressive in regards to like the battle of the rookie QBs. So I even said, I said last week after Thursday night, I was like, look, if you're, if I'm drafting quarterbacks right now to start a franchise, uh, I'm going, I think I'd do this. I might, well, maybe I'll move Kyler up, but I, it would be like, uh, Mahomes, Lamar, and I might take Joe Burrow third. Like, I'd I still, I, I'd still take Murray, but then in Burrow. Actually, you know, I don't even know why I didn't include Jock Murray. Now. I think yeah. I would probably take you take Murray and Allen too. Probably because I've seen more. Uh, but okay. but Joe Burrow is definitely in that conversation. Burrow, like exactly, like he's he's going in the first five or six picks if you're drafting. Look, look, there were two games into his career, and you know it's like some of these guys have played for years now. So let's yeah, let, let's just pump the brakes on a him and and the evaluation and comparison. I'm just saying you can you can tell he's got it. No, he's, I mean, he obviously understands the system. I think when he's given time, he can pick you apart, but that's also, I mean, look, Andy Dalton can do that if he gets protection and, and you actually give him some guys to throw to. Like people tend to forget, like AJ Green didn't play last year. So you put AJ Green in the game, like, yeah, he's going to help out whoever's a quarterback, regardless of who it is. Uh, Justin Herbert, whether he had one great strike down the field to, to Keenan Allen that like, I mean, it was a great throw. It's a great throw. He should be able to make it. He's a professional quarterback. But like, I don't need a text from Pete Prisco being like, ah, oh, Tom just said about Herbert. I was right about her. It's like, th- what, what are you talking about? He's, yeah, I, I don't know that we were looking at the same lens. I mean, the play calling was really advantageous for him, right? They had roll right, which is one of the easiest completions you're going to get. It's a, it's a halfback in the flat rolling to your right. Pete could probably complete that. And then Anybody he ran. Can, like, I could complete that. Yeah. Maybe. So it, it's just, you know, again, it's, it's one game. I, I thought the fact that he handled it with so much poise considering yes. the circumstances. That's what more stood out to me is he kept his team in that game, wasn't phased by the situation, didn't get it probably any prep. And by the way, crazy enough, like I've had torn Carlos and Bruce ribs before where they do inject Novocaine. And I, I never, 
I never had those complications uh, from the injection, but I did have like cramping where like your little muscles in between your ribs like cramp. Dude, it was like a weird... needle in your ribs, huh? Giant yeah, they, they, it's a little, it's a pretty big needle. Uh, and, then, and then so they try to numb it up. And so basically it doesn't hurt because obviously it, it hurts when you, you try to you raise your arm and throw. Um, and so it, it obviously makes it, you know, pain go away, feel better, but like it would like cramp up at times. It's like, ah, it's just kind of like uncomfortable. It's like odd. But, you know, like when you're running and you get that cramp, you're like, oh, maybe like slow down for a second or something. It, it's kind of like that, but like in your ribs, it's like a weird feeling to describe. Being a professional athlete is pretty effed up, man. Like, yeah, I got jabbed in my ribs so I can go out there and play and then start cramping. But yeah, it's really not. It's, it's actually awesome. It's awesome. I, I wish someone would shoot me up with, you know, whatever. Just, just, I'd love to I'd stick my face in a bowl of HGH right now. I'd feel great. HGH, Tordal. Can you imagine that? Just walking around, like, just everyday life, like, with, with an injection of Tordal. you feel great. Yeah, it's like, well, uh, you know, we've uh, – there's another pandemic, virtual school for the next eight years. Whatever, bro. I don't care. Give me that tour at all. Um, okay. So, uh, with Tua, who's the last rookie quarterback, this should have asked about the Dolphins, but do you think he plays this year or do you think they just ride Fitzpatrick? No, he plays this year. I think he'll play relatively soon if, if they keep losing. So, okay. um, I mean, look, that, that's one of those, I believe they have fans coming in the stadium. So it's kind of one of those places too where this will be clamoring for it if they feel like the team. And they had a lot of fans. They're in Florida, South Florida, bro. Well, I don't know his name is Dallas. Well, Dallas are like 21,000 or whatever it was. Unbelievable. So, but they're all socially distanced and wearing masks. So we're good. Um, <laughs> look, they have a brisket at, at the stadium. I mean, what, what do you, everyone's coming for the brisket. I open the roof. What do you want from me? Yeah. Dang. They um, weren't inside. Yeah. The roof was open. The sun was shining in. I, um, I, I bought a big ass fan and we hooked it up to the top and we said, spin around fan. And then it got, all, got rid of the virus. It was fine. Wasn't our fault. Had all the brisket. All right. It's been documented. Brisket. Cannot get COVID. I'm just saying. There's um, got to be a rhyme there for risk. All right, so the other two in our teams, uh, well, I'll add the Steelers there. I will acquiesce to your demands to put the Steelers in. Uh, are the Tennessee Titans a lock for the playoffs? Uh, no, only because I think how that division has gone in the past. I mean, A, your Colts, they looked much improved in week one and week two. So that's a team that I think is definitely going to play a factor. And I'm still kind of holding out hold, you know, hope, I guess, for the Texans playing a, a factor in it. And then – I'm not going to include the Jaguars, but I mean, again, who knows how that team's going to finish out, but, um, I just think it's a tough division. So I, I think it's, it's hard to think that w- with their schedule the rest of the way, that they're going to be better than a nine and seven football team, which is what they've been the past four years. Okay. Um, I, I, yeah, we'll see if they don't look terrible though. The Seahawks. I actually think that's the best division right now. Yeah. So I, that's a team that I think for sure gets in. It's just a matter of if they're, you know, winning the division or if they're getting into the uh, wild card spot. But wild card, I think they're in. Yeah, I think I think so too. Russell, if if Russell plays sixteen games, they're getting into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Bills at two, a surprising jump out to two zero. They've only played the Jets and the Dolphins. We would remind people who can't stop crowing about Josh Allen. And I went back and watched that game against the Dolphins last night. He looked. He's awesome. He's great. He's a good quarter. Like he's he's he's. He is, he tightened up his throwing motion. He shortened it. He's, he, he's throwing from different arm slots this year, but you, you don't, you don't think I'd. Yeah, I kind of felt like he did that last year. I just felt his, his issue has more been his feet, I think, more than anything else. I never felt like he's had a long release or any of that. I just I hope he stopped running him so much. I mean, at some point he's going to get hurt if he you keeps slamming. You don't think he changed, he, I, he definitely changed his motion. He worked on his mechanics this offseason and maybe, oh, you, know, you know what he, you know what he did this offseason? They worked on finding him a number one wide receiver in Stephon Diggs and John Brown's evolved and, and that, that's what they worked on. 
uh, and then they found guys who could catch the football. So they're not second in the league in drops like they were last year. It helps. I, I, I mean, look, you don't have to poo-poo my quarterback analysis, my, my deep state mechanical analysis. No, because I, I think when he opens it up and throws downfield, there's still those inaccuracies where he's still kind of honing in a little bit. No, no, no. He's, he's, he's missing, like, and I was going to say, like, you watch it, and it, I think that he's taken steps to improve and is much better. But I also think, like, his numbers are a little bit misleading. He, I mean, he had a ball. He's sitting in the, his own shadow of his own end zone, and he throws a pass that hits a linebacker in the face. And the guy drops it, and it's a pick six. If he holds it, if, if he throws it against the Steelers, it's a pick six. I guess I don't know. He throws it so hard, I don't even think maybe, defenders. Maybe the guy it. dies. The guy's just yeah. a hole through his, his face. Helmet blows up. <laughs> right. Uh, but I mean, Mike Rydell's like, all right, bull, uh, football proof helmets. Uh, we got to figure out how to because if Josh Allen kills anyone, Josh else. Allen throws bullet. Uh, and then he had, you know, two. He had a lot of yardage, four hundred seventeen yards, and four touchdowns. He's leading the league in passing. Sure. But I, I would say, I mean, like, and look, the Dolphins, the, the Bills stepped on the Dolphins throats, but like, they got crazy aggressive at the end of that game. Like they were throwing bombs down the field with a lead just to like try and finish it off almost like a, and I don't know if that's like a F you we're here. Like we have an offense, like build some confidence or if it's, ah, eh, the Dolphins suck. Let's just go up top. I, I don't know, but I mean, I think. It might I have been a Brian Flores thing. Maybe there's something else that went on there during his time with the Patriots. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's one of those deals, something that happened last year. Like usually when you see coaches doing that, the play callers, usually there's like an underlying, you know, F you from a play caller to someone on that staff. Like there's something else going on. There's some history there. That's usually how it goes. Cause I mean, like it was, they were up four with like three minutes left and they had second and four and they could have definitely run the clock out. Yeah. And like he just takes a bomb shot down the field and they're like, no, we're not done yet. We need to score another touchdown. And just play, look, you play to win. You don't want to mess around, let Fitzpatrick mess you up. But I mean, it did feel that, or maybe they just had money on the game and they they laid the points. I don't know. The over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are the Bills going to make the playoffs? Yes. Okay. Cause they'll they'll at least be, if they don't win the division, they'll at least be to me nine wins or 10 wins. I, I mean, that's where I foresee them getting. They don't have to get seven more to get to nine. Right. So. I think they've got that the rest of their schedule. They, they can win 50% of their, their next game, you know, so fourth let's, game. let's put the Chiefs in in the AFC West, the Ravens and the Steelers in the AFC North. So let's for now say one team from the AFC South gets in, and then the Bills and the Patriots from the AFC East, right? So that's still there's still room for one more team to make it. Um, in the AFC? Because you have the third wild card now. Yeah. And so then the biggest question is, like, who is that team? And I think if you're looking at the percentages, at least that you sent over, it's the Las Vegas Raiders. That's right. Yeah. So do the Raiders, are the Raiders a 2-0 team that makes the playoffs or are they 2-0 team that misses the playoffs? I think, that, look, this is the things they have working for them. I think they're a 2-0 team that misses the playoffs, but for this reason, because their defense is so bad. And and maybe they'll grow up and continue to improve over the course uh, of the year. And, and look, they came off a great win, Monday Night Football versus the Saints. But Brees passed for over 300 yards, and you can make a case whether it was garbage time or not. But the Saints jumped out to a lead to in that game. I just, I'm not a believer in this defense yet with the personnel that they have. And I, I understand they're physical. I love what they do with Josh Jacobs and getting Waller the ball. I think Henry Ruggs scares the crap out of everyone. So hence the reason why you can draw PIs, uh, and defensive holdings and penalties until they so you know, get bad the- at the end. So, um, I just, I, I'm not a believer yet in this team being able to, uh, you know, fight for one of those walk spots. I think they could lose the Chargers the way they match up with them, 
And then who knows what the Broncos look like if they can get those young receivers going and Drew Locke back. So I, I'm just not a believer yet in, uh, in, in in the Raiders, even though statistically speaking, they would have that last spot right now. Yeah, uh, I, I'm with you. I let's see. Let's John. Look, John Gruden has exceeded my expectations. I will give him that. I, he's but he's a great play call. Like, we don't talk great. about him amongst the like the great minds and play callers in the NFL. But since he's come back. Like you got to give him credit for, I think the way he's revamped some things and been able to find some innovation to his offense. It's not like what he ran back in the day with with the Raiders or the Bucks. Couldn't couldn't agree more. All right, so in the NFC, one of these teams, certainly at least one, is going to have to miss the playoffs. We're going to put the steel. We're going to put the Seahawks in. The Rams are at seventy four percent. The Packers at only seventy two percent. That's odd to me. I don't I don't get that. Yeah, no. Pete doesn't either. The Cardinals at 62%. I don't get that one. And then the Bears, the, the, the Bears at 59.9%. So of those four teams, which one or two don't make the playoffs? Bears, I would say definitively. And then the Cardinals are an interesting one because of how can tough we, can that is. Can we wager on the Bears not to make the playoffs right now at like plus money? Cause that'd be great. Yeah. Like they're not making the playoffs. They, they're not good. I, I, yeah, I, I think when you look at how they've won, you know, again, a 21 point fourth quarter right against Detroit. If Swift catches the football, we're not having this conversation as a 2 0 team. Uh, I even think you go back and look at how close the game was versus the Giants. I mean, Saquon Barkley touched the football. What, he rushed it four times. Uh, maybe that's a different outcome if he's actually in for the entire game. So I, I'm just not a believer in the Bears. And I think the other team, and by the way, like there's always that opportunity where like they could have to switch to Nick Foles because. Trubisky's not playing well enough. Like, who knows if that becomes a factor at some point in the season again. Um, the Packers being that low of one is kind of odd to me. The Cardinals, though, I mean, look, the NFC West has had a representative in the Super Bowl for the past two years. Maybe the Cardinals are that team, right, with all the injuries to the 49ers. So I don't know if I'm ruling them out. I think the Rams are the team I'm most curious to watch because they do look very much improved, obviously offensively for what they were a year ago, and then even defensively up front. Like, they're playing better as a group up front. So. I, I don't know. I, I guess I can't pick two, but if I did, it's hard to write off the the Cardinals, but it's just they were a five-win team last year. It's a big jump to be a five-win team to do or be a four-win team like the, the 49ers were last year and be, what, 13-3 and three or whatever they ended up with, you know, at last year. It's a monumental jump. So maybe I'm still uh, curious about the Cardinals, but I also don't know how the Rams are going to be long-term. I think the I feel like the Rams and Sean McVay did a really good job of re reimagining everything. This and in look, he fired a bunch of people. You know, they it was a they won nine games and people were treating them like they had fallen off the face of the earth. And he made big changes that you don't typically see a nine win team make. You got rid of Wade Phillips, dude. I mean, who gets rid of Wade Phillips? For I keep forgetting his name. What's that? The new defensive coordinator. He's like never called plays. Oh, uh, John Barry. What is God? Why do I can't I can't remember the guy's name. I'm sorry, Mister. It's slipping my mind, but uh, I'll, I'll tell you who it is. It's uh, what, Brandon, got rid of Brandon Staley. I want to call him Brandon yeah. Stokely. So Brandon, but he even got rid of Fossil, who's like one of the regarded as one of the better special team coaches in the NFL. You know, and hires John Bonamigos. I mean, so it's it's just it's interesting that um, you know, the changes that he made. But early on, I mean, the impression is it's paying off. Like they look like a really good football team. They're ready to play this year. Brandon Staley in 2016. Uh, before he took over as outside linebackers coach with Vic Fangio in Chicago, was the defensive coordinator at John Carroll. Like four years ago, he was the DC at a 
And I mean, a very famous Ohio school for coaches, but I was just going to say, right. Brian Dable, I think Josh McDaniels went there as well. Yep. Uh, obviously he would fall into that category. There's a couple others too. I mean, my point is just like, I don't think anybody, I, I don't think, I mean, I, Pete Prisco had great things to say about him. You heard great things from other people around the league, but like nobody expected him to come in and just take, I mean, take over Wade Phillips, probably the greatest defensive coordinator in the history of football. If you're just, well, just just going with coordinators, it helps when you have arguably the two best players in their position on your on your roster, right? Sure. <laughs> Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. But no, I'm with you. Like that's they've exceeded my expectations as far as what I thought that defense was going to be this year. I thought there might be some growing pains, but that has just not been the case. So yeah, and they're they're using a bunch more motion in terms of their offense. So I I feel I feel good about the Rams. I feel like the the NFC West is getting three teams in. Oh yeah. I mean, dude, you can make an argument like if San Francisco gets a back of track, maybe it's four. Like that sounds ridiculous, but that's what I predicted before the season. Did you? They get yeah. four in? All four teams in. Wow. That would be interesting. I think it's it's probably hard from a schedule standpoint for that to happen. Like you need a lot of teams, like you need like some team to win division at eight and eight, like that sort of deal. Mm, no, but, it, it needs to be like the last the fourth team is nine and it, no, it's because I mean they're all undefeated outside the division right now. Right. But I'm just saying, like, if you look at how those losses would have to come and what, like, what's the best record, you know, scheduling it out that way if the Cardinals and Rams both making it at what, nine and seven? I mean, you could have maybe one making it at eight and eight. Um, you basically but, need everybody to split their division games. Right. So, and then, and then you, you need, know. you need multiple eight and eight division winners, which then would then put everyone else in that division below that number. Uh, oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, every, uh, like, you need the, the Cowboys to win the division at eight and eight or eight nine eight. and seven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not even nine and seven, dude. Like they gotta be eight and eight. Cause then if you're that eight and eight team, like obviously you're not getting in over them, but if the next best team seven and nine, you're getting in over them. Okay. I see what you're saying, but it, it's also, yeah, it, that, that is possible. But with the NFC North and the NFC East, it's not out of the question at all. Like no. I think, I think it can happen. The, the problem with San Francisco now is that with the, if San Francisco's injuries continue to pile up or they don't get these guys back, like Nick Bosa is a huge loss. George Kittle needs to be healthy. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo could miss time. We'll see what happens with that. They got to play on that same turf again. Most if those guys miss a ton of time. It then I think those three teams are probably going to get in based on just how well they've played. I, I agree with you. The Bears are the Bears are the Bears are not making the playoffs. I they're, they're not making the playoffs. I I, I don't I don't want the Packers to make the playoffs. It's hard to imagine them not doing it. Why do you not want? Because of Pete? A hundred percent because of Pete. They're going to make the playoffs and they're going to be playing in the Super Bowl. I mean, that's the direct, that's the path they're on right now. They're that good? I think so. I mean, I, I picked them to be playing New Orleans and I, I think I, my heart wanted it for Drew to go and play in a Super Bowl, even though I had Pittsburgh winning it. But I, th- I think Green Bay is definitely going to be in the NFC championship game. If not, you know, again, if not playing the Super Bowl, it's beneficial to Green Bay that the team that gave them the biggest trouble last year, the 49ers are now struggling. Right. I mean, that's, and you know, don't look like they're going to be able to give them that same sort of trouble moving forward. That's. It's a bonus. Okay. Uh, there's, there's your picks for teams to miss and make the playoffs. Oh, two and two and oh. Uh, another great Brady Quinn football show. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Pew. There it is. Yeah, there it is. How uh, old is it? Like, where do you find this stuff? On YouTube. Gosh, the internet. It's a crazy world, man. Well, but you know, I had to watch the, uh, watch the whole room is burning show. I was like, well, what point is he going to say this? And then I realized there was like a brown helmet on the, on the rundown. I was like, yeah, probably there. I remember the first time meeting Jim Rome. I don't know if I told you this, but I met him in like the trailer before we were about ready to go on set. And this yeah. is back when he was at ESPN. I was coming out in the draft and I was like, Hey, how you doing? You know, good to meet you. 
And I remember I said, hey, so what are we talking about? And he looked at me and he goes, don't do that. He goes, no, that's just so unprofessional of you. I'm like, what? He's like, no one knows what I'm going to say or what I'm going to ask him before I go out there. Like he gave me like a lecture. And so I was like, oh, well, that was, I was like, that wasn't fun. It's <laughs> not so just like, I, I like turned my mind. Burning? Yeah. Well, no, well, no, I mean, this is before that. I guess Rome is burning on ESPN or whatever it was. Yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I literally turned my marketing agent. I was like, all right, I'm going to take my fruit cup and I'm going to sit over here and wait till I have to go on now. Like, <laughs> I was like, geez, dude, like relax. I was just like trying to make conversation, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in a suit on South Beach where the set is. I'm sweating my balls off right now. Like, my gosh. <laughs> That's incredible. Was this, um, wait, why was it on South Beach? There was, I think it was around the Super Bowl. Oh, uh, would have been the Super Bowl. Uh, so he was doing like Rome is burning live from the Super Bowl. Yep. So it's like high profile situation. What did he ask you? Uh, I cannot remember off the top of my head. I really can't. Probably nothing uh, crazy. No, it wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't anything too bad and all that. Uh, and he wasn't like, he wasn't like that once we like got on set. He was fine. Uh, it was, it was just interesting. I was like, Oh, all right. Don't green room it. Like now, now I know the phrase like don't green room it. Like, okay. Like that's the thing. I did his show a couple of times on the, the, CBS, when he had the CBS Rome show um, on CBS Sports Network, and we would go, you, it's out in LA, and you go out there and like, it, it's, I mean, I, mean, I don't know, like, I, grew, I mean, I grew up listening and watching the gym, and it, it's like, it's, it's, it's just a crazy scene. Like, if you've never done that before, you're kind of like, yeah, it's, it's just sort of, it's intimidating. Like, yeah, I wouldn't describe it like that. I was more just like, man, am I pitting out right now? Like, how sweaty do I look? I mean, it was so hot. Uh, I just, I wish I had like my own personal fan or maybe more deodorant. I'm not sure which. Well, right. I mean, maybe intimidating is the wrong word, but like we would meet with his producer in, in like a room and we'd he'd be like, all right, you know, what do you got? Here's what, what do you guys think? Here's what we're going to talk about. Here's the topics. It's like, well, here's the thing is I had just come from an event where I was with Drew Brees and we were throwing footballs to models jumping into a pool. So it was like, I mean, it, it was kind of hard to have a bad day at that point. What year was that? It was when I was coming out of the draft. So it would have been 2007, that Super Bowl. Oh, wow. It was down in South Beach, right? Yeah. Who's the two that was that the, the Pats? I believe. Was it not Chicago versus Indy? Yes. It would have been Chicago Indy the year after, right? Yep. Because the Pats would have been, yeah, the 2008 season. Okay. Yeah. That's fun. That's a cool time. Maybe were you at the Fountain Blue tossing footballs in the, in the pool? Uh, yeah. Maybe it was there. I can't remember. But it was there. All right. Anyway, we got stuff to do. Families to feed. Good to see you, buddy. Good seeing you. Later. Later. CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.